Welcome to the Arsenal Tottenham Fan Podcast. Sometimes things just go your way and everything falls into place. And then there was last week for us. Yeah. The show that never was. (laughs) The show that never was. That is correct. We had Wi-Fi issues and technical problems. (laughs) And I'm sneezing. So so I am having as much luck as Arsenal did uh, in their trip to Aston Villa last week. Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Cal. I'm doing good. Doing real good. Yeah, so I talked to the boss, and uh, apparently we're not getting paid uh, for the podcast we recorded last week that didn't make it out. I, guess I know you're disappointed enough, right? to hear that. Hear yeah, that. that's fair enough, I guess. Yeah, so we'll have to make this one double long, and maybe we can get some time and a half overtime. What do you think? Or not. Yes. <laughs> so what we're going to do in this uh, podcast is we're going to touch on um, – the games from last week, just briefly. Uh, And then we're going to more focus on the games from the weekend. We're going to finish the podcast off uh, by talking a little bit about the Champions League. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the Champions League, and then we'll finish the podcast off uh, by reviewing uh, or previewing the upcoming fixtures next week. Rick, how does that sound? That's good, Kyle. Let's roll. All righty. So Arsenal uh, went to Luton and came away with a 4-3 victory. Uh, Declan Rice scored in the 96th minute. And that victory, even though it was nail-biting time, doesn't look too bad when you consider that Liverpool went there and scraped out only a point. And Man City was behind for most of the match until they were able to score two goals late in that match to they win. They gave us a run for our money too. Yeah. Uh, so plucky little Luton, especially in their stadium, is no guaranteed victory. So um, so Arsenal will, will definitely be happy with the three points. Uh, the, the main takeaways for me in that game were, you know, Arsenal, um, just like Lens, got goal contributions from all of the front six, and we scored three from three in big chances. You know, so that was a really clinical display when we needed it to be. The bad part of the game was um, we gave up three goals from four shots on target uh, and only six attempts. So that does not pretend well. And then once we talk about the uh, Aston Villa game, we'll get a little bit more into that. And then the final topic of conversation from that game is the yellow card issued to Mikel Arteta for celebrating um, the winning, the game-winning goal in the 96th minute and leaving the technical area, which I don't know if you had a chance to see what's the guy, Chris Jones, 
who is the uh, is it Chris Jones, who's the manager for Sheffield United? They got their first win at the weekend, and you know he was basically halfway onto the pitch after they scored uh, to win, and yeah, you know, no yellow card for him. So you really have to be, you know, you really have to think that the the Premier League has their eye out for Mikel Arteta. And I think that, you know, one of the, you know, one of the challenges that I think that that the referees present in the Premier League is that they, to me, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, they seem to referee teams differently and people differently as opposed to the individual offenses. And I think they are also susceptible to media coverage of the Premier League. And what concerns me about that is, you know, early on in the year, and even going back to last year, you know, when you look at the clickbaity journalists like Richard Keyes or, you know, The Sun, and their respect the referee. I mean, have they ever respected anything? You know, but now they're respect the referee and it's tabloidy clickbaity sites that have set their target on Arteta. And what concerns me about the Premier League and the PGMOL is they seem to be listening to that. And the reason that I'm concerned about it is those clickbaity type sites and those uh, tabloidy type journalists are targeted to the lowest common denominator and those of us who absolutely lack critical thinking skills. And so for the PGMOL, to react to that and to fall into that trap makes me think that they lack critical thinking skills. And if that's the case, that is extremely scary for the Premier League as a whole going forward, as it looks like to me it is. And I've been kind of dancing around this issue on our podcast for over a year, and I hadn't been able to figure exactly what it was that bothered me. And I listened to Arsenal Vision podcast, and Tim Stillman mentioned that, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, and it really rang true with me. So that's my concern with the PGMOL. Rick, anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you, um, on some aspects. I don't, I don't know if they're targeting Arteta or whatever. I think there is a serious, serious lack of consistency. Um, mm-hmm. even this weekend with, um, Pep Guardiola, where they were walking off, I don't know if it was a half time or full time, um, the city's game against, um, that was against Luton too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was all over the referee while mm-hmm. he was walking off. Um, 
nothing came of that. Um, right. I mean, we right. know Harlan got got fined last week, or, or City got fined, um, but there is definitely a serious lack of consistency. Um, you've got technical areas. What's the point of having them if if nearly ninety nine point nine percent of the managers are just going to run out of them anyway? That that's right, and if all managers were getting yellow cards for leaving the technical area, then you've got no complaints. No, I mean, it, it's there for a reason, right? Sure. And it's painful. When- you know where it is. There's no excuse. If you step out of that, right, the linesman can look and check. He's got the contact there. Hey, ref, you know, they'd have to set some kind of limit maybe, mm-hmm. you know, of how many times they keep saying, or like, hey, I've told you, you know, Three times, three strikes, and you're out, right? We, if I have to tell you more than three times, you're getting a yellow card. If I have to tell you, whatever, twice more after that, whatever it is, you're out of here. You know, you have right. to leave. You, you, you're going to be red carded. Right. And, you know, again, going back to that consistency, the PGMOL seems to be so focused on how the media is going to treat them and what the narrative is. And another example of that with Arteta is he's still awaiting the response from his FA charge. What was that after the Newcastle game six weeks ago? Maybe they could use the sin bin um, as, as a punishment for abuse of the technical area. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and again, my concern over that six-week delay is the FA, it's all about the media reaction. You know, there there is no other reason for the FA to be waiting this long than it is to gauge the media reaction. They're waiting for the right moment for something to happen so that they can release whatever charge they want to and get as little backlash or as much yeah. support as possible the the, the actual and that's the crap actual, yeah and the, and the actual sin bin is actually something that's been banded around lately um yeah, ridiculous but right. anyway i mean you know if they're gonna do that then if the if the managers get get carded they should make them sit in the sin bin put a diaper on and give them a nook so everybody can see them right well, i mean you know just if you're going to have this, if you're going to have the technical area, then you have to. It's up to the the refs and the linesmen to police that. Yeah, either do it to everyone or do it to no one. Yeah, because right, do do right now, right now, it's the wild west. Well, no, it's Mikel Arteta has to stay in the technical area, and the other nineteen managers can do whatever the hell they want to, and that is the problem. Um, so now let's talk about the Villa game. Um, you know, that lineup was pretty much our stock lineup. Um, so no surprises there. No really talking points about the lineup. You know, this is the type of game that is really difficult to analyze. And, you know, the best an- – games to analyze is when you can talk about what a team did because that lends itself to talking about how they did it 
which is really what analysis is. The boring kind of analysis is talking about how the team almost did things. <laughs> this was a game where Arsenal almost did a lot of things, you know, and that makes it a really tricky game and difficult game to analyze. Uh, so, you know, let's hit the key moments. In the sixth minute, um, they, uh, John McGinn scores a good goal from you know, I guess just beside the penalty spot, kind of. And he's got his back to goal. Ben White is uh, marking him. Ball comes into his feet. He spins, shoots it on the turn. Pass Rhea, nothing Rhea can do about it. Um, he makes the move too quick for White to get a block on it. And you got to give him credit for a good turning goal. I mean, that's almost a striker's goal. Um, and you know, there's really not anything that you can point the finger at from a defensive view to say, well, Hey, you could have done better, or you should have done this, or you should have done that. That's not Monday morning quarterbacking. But I think the real issue with that, if John McGinn is standing in the attacking or on the attacking penalty spot. That means that Unai Emery is asking him to cover 90, 94 yards of pitch. So what you got to do is punish him when he's that far up. And that's what Arsenal was unable to do. You know, Arsenal was unable to punish Villa for being so far forward and being so far on the front foot. Um, Odegaard, you know, he missed a chance, um, ball came to him. He's on the right side of the penalty spot and he takes a shot, kind of scuffs it a little bit, but he was going near post with it. And, um, Mark, um, Martinez would not have gotten there, but it went just wide of the post and, not long after that, or later in the half, he had, you know, Arsenal made just such a brilliant move where um, I think it was, um, I think it was um, Martinelli that played in Kai Havertz who um, pulls it back to Gabriel Jesus pretty much at the penalty spot, but it was a little behind Gabriel Jesus, and he just plays it back, kind of lays it off for Odegaard. And Odegaard takes three touches, gets right on the penalty spot. And Emmy Martinez is in a bad spot, and Emmy, Emmy Martinez just guesses. I mean, you can see him move before Odegaard takes the shot. And Odegaard just went the wrong way, you know. I mean, if he goes back across goal, it's it's a goal all day long. He had it in the corner. You know, it was a good shot. Martinez just guessed right on him uh, and was able to stop it. Not, not long after that, um, Gabriel played one long to Martinelli. Martinelli did a great job taking it down. Uh, Emmy Mar Martinez came out. Uh, Martinelli lobbed him, 
but the lob was just way too high, and the Villa um, defender was able to get back and clear off the line. And it was 1-0, and not long after the half, you know, uh, Gabriel was taken down. Um, Gabriel Jesus was taken down in the box by um, Douglas Louise, and that wasn't given as a penalty. You know, Odegaard had another opportunity from the penalty spot, and he just miskicked it. You know, a great pass from Havertz. And, you know, if there's anybody that we want on the penalty spot with the ball coming to him in a place to score, it's Odegaard. I mean, he's our most clinical finisher, and he had three great chances and didn't finish any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Rhea made a nice save from um, um, uh, what's uh, their their left back, Donye. Was it is it Donye Dingye? Dingye, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Saka scored. He had the ball in the net, but you know, got caught by their offsides trap. It was a good call. He was offside, um, but he, at least he had the ball in the net. Um, Dressard blocked a, a free kick from Rice. Did you see that? Dressard comes in the game, literally his first action. They have the um they have the wall. Rice goes under the wall. What a great play. And smashes it under him. And Dressard's breaking and it hits him. Yeah. You know? I mean, that was just that encapsulated the day for Arsenal. You know, just just wanted to, I mean, some days you just trip over your own shoelaces, and that's what that kind of day was. And the perfect encapsulation of the day was the goal Havertz scores at the end of the game. Yeah. Where it hits the defender's hand, hits his hand, and there are some um there's some highlights going on that makes it look like Enkedia actually scored the goal. That's, that's what I thought when I first saw it, and I thought it was it was a goal, right? Because I thought it hit Enkedia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then when I watched it, it was like, yeah, you know, you got couldn't it. really tell. I mean, I I haven't seen anything that was definitive on which one that scored the goal. Uh so. You know, I, I don't want to make this entirely about referees, but I do want to uh, mention this, that, you know, what concerned me about that is that the referee was outside the penalty box and whistled it as a handball. And there ain't no way he saw that. There's no way. You know, I mean, that thing just brushed his hand. Now, maybe he saw a handball that wasn't, but there is no way. Didn't that it look he like saw it hit twice? Did it look like it hit twice? Uh, yeah, it could have, but but both were a brush. It wasn't like a hand. Yeah, you know, no, it wasn't like very very definitive. But I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything that deflected the trajectory of the ball. Like from that far away, like from 25 yards, to really tell if it's a handball 100%, you need to see the ball deflected. You know, you need to see 
where the ball's going change direction. Yeah. And that never happened. You know, and what concerns me about it is that is a referee that's looking to rule out a goal. You know, that's a guy who's bending over backwards to rule out a goal. I mean, if he's not, he doesn't say anything because he knows VAR is going to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's not looking to rule that goal out, if he's not predisposed to rule that goal out, just wait for VAR. Like what happened in the Newcastle game. You know, that referee was not predisposed to rule out a goal. You know, you just let the play go on and then let VAR have a, a call at it. But this, this referee wanted to stop that goal. And, you know, when you look at the refereeing decisions, the elbow um, to Eddie, Eddie and Kadia, you look at the Jesus penalty, you look at Dinga coming through the back of Saka on a yellow card, and Arsenal doesn't get any of those calls, that concerns me because those are all 60-40-ish calls. You know, Mm -hmm. they're all calls where, you know, it's reasonable for two people to look at and have differing views. You know, the Jesus penalty – I heard um, heard Clive Palmer say on the Arsenal Vision podcast today that back in his day, pre-VAR, that wasn't a penalty. Post-VAR, that's a penalty, you know, because it's the type of thing where in VAR, you know, as on a replay, oh, he, he got him, you know, but in real time, doesn't really look like he got him very much. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Um, the, you know, the elbow to Encadia, the guy never saw that. So, I mean, you can look at it. He's looking the other way at the ball, which is okay. I mean, nothing wrong with the referee looking at the ball. But where did the yellow card come from? You know, if he didn't see it, did the linesman say, hey, it's a yellow card? Did VAR come down and say it's a yellow? You know, so that concerns me because that really could have been a red card. I mean, you know, against Newcastle, it's not – he didn't hit him with the elbow. That was what they said. In this match, he hit him with the elbow, and it's still not a red. You know, I mean – You can't win. Well, you know, I mean, what con- that's what concerns me is when you lose every one of them, that's when you have to look at it and wonder if something's going on. You know, if it's two and two, okay. If it's one and three, okay. When it's 0 for 4, you're like, you know, and the guy is looking to rule out your goal to tie the match, makes you wonder. Any comments? Um, I, I didn't. I didn't think that Jesus was was a penalty. I think it wasn't convincing enough for me. Um, in fact, actually, in prepping for the show, um, I read four different match reports. Uh huh. And 
Three of them didn't even mention it. Uh huh. One of them did. And then when I looked who the writer was, he was a staff writer for Arsenal. Perfect. <laughs> like, okay. Um, no, I, I didn't I didn't think it was. I thought Villa played well. I think Leon Bailey is like He's man, he's, he is he has come a long way, hadn't he? Oh my god, he is he's electric, that dude. Yeah, and, and for our for our listeners overseas, you know, Leon Bailey is Jamaican. So we we've had a chance to see him on the Jamaican national team. Yeah, yeah. You know, playing in the Gold Cups and playing and stuff like that for a long time. And I can remember when all that guy could do is run fast and kind of trip over his feet. Yeah, he's figured it out now. I'm telling you, you know, he's turned I mean, he might be the I mean, he might be right there with Bakayo Saka as the best right winger in the Premier League right now. I mean, he is something special. And when he came out of the match, you know, I, you know, he came out at halftime. I believe he turned an ache or tweaked a knee or something like that. You know, that I thought that bode well for us. But, you know, they've got um, Marissa Diarby uh, behind him, who is also a great player. Yep, yep. Yeah, they're the real. I think Villa are the real deal. I think they could be up there. Hell, they could be the Leicester of uh, this season. You never know. Well, you know when you know. Um, so Man City, they they beat Man City the game before us. They beat Man City one nil. They had twenty two shots, and Man City had two. That's mad, right? I mean, they smashed Man City and. To give Arsenal some credit, Arsenal had this match. You know, I mean, Arsenal outplayed Villa, I think, overall. As good as Villa is and as good as Villa played, uh, Arsenal outplayed them. You know, to take a look at the – to take a look at the stats from that particular match – Arsenal had 12 shots and Villa had 10. Arsenal had five shots on target and Villa had three. When you look at Pat passes into the final third, Arsenal had 123 and Villa had 82. When you look at when you look at touches in the box, Arsenal had 34, Villa had 17. And when you look at XG, Arsenal had 1.4 XG and Villa had 0.57. So when when you think of how they thrashed Man City, you know, I mean, we outplayed them. And, you know, it's their 15th straight win at home. And, you know, what this does to me, it shows how incredible the invincible season was because games like this happen. I mean, you know, it, in the premier league, you, you go play, you can go play out, play somebody and lose, you know, and every team is going to, you know, every team is going to play out, play another team and lose this year, you know, Luton, yeah, you know you're to, talking to, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. And, we, you know, we're the past Luton, masters. 
You know, Luton is going to outplay a team and lose this year. Sheffield United, they are going to outplay a team and lose. You know, it is just part and parcel of it. And so we've got two losses, both 1-0, one at Newcastle, one at Aston Villa. Both teams are incredibly good in their home park. Both games were extremely tight, and in neither game did we get ripped. You know, so what wins Premier Leagues is consistency, and that's what we have to look for is consistency. So this was a good performance, but some some days it just ain't your day, and this this is one of those days for Arsenal. And, you know, that is not – Great analysis, <laughs> you know. I mean, it, it's hard oh, to it's come up. Reality, though. I mean, just it, it, is. it is. It is, you know. But it is just hard. It is hard to analyze a game where, you know, you do everything that you can do to win, but you don't get the ball in the back of the net. And you know, our previous. You know, our game against Lens, we did it. Our game against Luton, we did it. And in this game, we did. The good thing is when it, we are underperforming our XG, attacking XG, and we are underperforming our defensive XG. So when you look going forward, the if Arsenal reverts to the mean, that means we're going to start scoring more goals and we're going to start letting in fewer goals. So, again, another positive I take is that the analytics are in our favor going forward. Yeah. Rick, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'll just finish up. You know, I think I think, I think Villa played well, um, considering they played like what? Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday mm-hmm. um, of their squad. Um, they do look like they do look sharp. Um, that home record speaks for itself. Um, That's for sure. In this, in these days, right now, it's no shame losing at losing at Villa Park right now. Nah, be quite but, honest with you. You, you, know? you know, fifteen straight teams have. Yeah, yeah, they're looking. They're looking good. That's, yeah, the question is, can they maintain it? That's mm-hmm. the hard part about the prime. Well, they're also going to have to go on the road and get points. You know, if 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 they're going if they're going to win, they're going to have to go on the road. And the question is, you know, can they be defensively solid enough to do that? And it's a long season, and right now, Man City is dealing with tremendous amount of injuries. Roger is injured. Uh, De Bruyne hadn't played. We've got we've been dealing with a tremendous amount of injuries. So when the injuries start to hit, you know, um, um, you know, Leon Bailey went off injured. If that's a long term injury, you know, if it's six weeks or whatever, you know, how are Villa going to be able to cope with that? Rick, your thoughts on Tottenham? Well, 
great, great game on Sunday. Um, we stopped the rot, which was the main thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but not just that. I mean, this game, top line view on this game is it was breakneck speed. Um, mm-hmm. If there's such a thing as Ange ball, I don't even know where that came up. But, I mean, this this was it right there on Sunday. <clears throat> um, it, it was... I think any team that came up against us on Sunday playing like that would have struggled, would have had a hard time against us. Um, well, I think I think you would have scored some goals. I think that, you know, Newcastle is going through their own injury crisis. Yeah, you know? no doubt they they were tired for sure, mm-hmm. you know. Um, flip side of that is if they'd been winning, we'd be talking about the benefits of not rotating the team and sticking with the same players, right? Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how football is, right? That's right, um, but there's no doubt that they were <clears throat> they were tired. Yeah, but you guys took it to them. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from you because you beat them four yeah. one. Yeah, and, and they weren't in the game. Yeah, I mean the thing, the, the there were so many key things. But you know, one was going in at halftime two nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, two nil. We all know in football is a dangerous score, right? Yeah. But next not next bad, goal. Not, not as not as dangerous as one nil in the Premier League now, right? Right, it doesn't do it. So having that lead going in at halftime was good. Um, you know, some key highlights were Son's penalty, first penalty since Kane had left. Yeah, so, I heard that when I was. I, I, I was really surprised penalty. about that. Yeah, a little bit of pressure for him, but man, he sucked it away, Kane esque. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And to be honest. He gave a captain's performance. That was probably the best he's played all season in that game. Wow! Uh, wow. They could he he turned Trippier into a pretzel. Uh, on, <laughs> I saw that one time. I saw he, one. Uh, he made him look bad. I mean, he did it. He did it near enough the whole game. He just turned him inside out. Um, you know, and that was the lineup. Richard Richard Richarlison came in. Uh-huh. <clears throat> he was out. So Richarlison got his slot where he likes to be, in the center of in, the pitch. Okay. Sonny went out left, Johnson on the right. And Kudasevsky dropped back to a deeper role, which he which he loved. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was phenomenal in the game too. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I don't think Newcastle knew what to do because he was popping up everywhere. Like, what position are you playing, mate? Like mm-hmm. – Anywhere I want, uh, and he was coming at Newcastle from every conceivable angle. You know, they they really didn't know what to make of him, um, mm-hmm. and he had a great game. I mean, just played so well. Um, you know, it was good for Richarlison to come back and get two goals with his feet. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's another important factor. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that would have done him the world of good. And you could tell as soon as I you you saw that um, Postacoglu was taking him off, you knew he'd be pissed. Any player would. You're sitting on two goals and are in a game like this. Mm-hmm. You got to be favouring yourself to get a hat trick, right? Yeah. But, um, it, but having said that, it was not just the goals; it was all his work off the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was all over the place. You know, he's not. Well, He's a Brazilian, but he's not technically gifted. Right. That's his game. Yeah, his game. That's why he was so so good at Everton was because in that run-in, 
that kept him up. It was his grit, determination, his bullying, his hustling in the box. That's what did mm-hmm. it. It's, he's not. He's not like a Mura or a, you know, a, another Brazilian like with or Marcelo or somebody with fancy footwork. That's not what his game's all about. You know? Well, he he's a center forward who is best without the ball. Mm. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part of his game is without the ball. You he's know, very and- much like an old 1950s, 1960s British center forward in many respects. That's right. You, you want him on the end of things. Yeah, give it to me, you know? put it on my head, put it here, I'll push the player out of the way, they won't be able to stay up with me. That's right. Or you you want him distracting the center backs. You know, you want him hacking those guys, chasing the ball, getting players out of position so you can get other guys in better positions. Yeah. But there was so much, so much movement. I mean, like you said, regardless of Newcastle being tired, they are pros. They weren't, you know, strolling on the pitch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But we were moving the ball so quick, and which has been one of my pet peeves. You know, I don't know if this game makes the West Ham game look like an anomaly or of sorts, like where we were so slow. Mm-hmm. And yet in this game, we were so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like just pinging. Brennan Johnson on the wing, you know, hit the post twice. Um, could have had a goal for himself, you know. That's right. And Udogi. You know, here's a left back who scores a goal on the touch, Bro, on the goal line. Well, I, I was going to say, there he was again, square with Son. Yep. Yep. You, he was almost like a second striker with Son. Well, when, when he scored that goal, I just started laughing because Son was on the goal line and so was he. So was he, yeah. Yeah. But he, he another one who had a great game. I think in the last game I rated the players and I struggled to find anybody that got over a five that I gave. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In this game, I mean, eights and nines pretty much all around, basically. Everybody, you know, played, a, played mm-hmm. their part. And it was another, you know, to quote Gary Neville, unfortunately, it's like, you know, he said, I just, I just love watching this team. You know, um, obviously not a supporter or anything, but if you're a neutral, you just again you can't fail to like like the football that's being played. Mm-hmm. No I mean, doubt. It's just phenomenal. Um and there seems to be like this team, like if you looked at the, the Chelsea games and the games after that, we were wanting. You could see that it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. There were little bits there, but it just it just wasn't right. A lot of injuries, I get that. But this this group, and I don't know whether it's the front three, you know, or Sonny going out on the left, Richarlison coming in in the middle, whether he's going to stick with that going forward, I don't know. But there just seemed to be something different about the whole style of play. Well, the, the, it was the energy compared to the West Ham game was not oh, there. Yeah. I mean, look, Postacoglu said, I mean, he speaks like, well, yeah, he's an Australian, so he speaks like a bloke at the bar. He said, it's all very well, the fancy passing it from side to side, but you don't score a bloody goal doing that. Uh-huh. And that's what he said. Uh-huh. You know, he said, that's all very well, but we were passing it along, just slowly just passing it from one side of the pitch 
to the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas here on Sunday, <laughs> it was just pinging. Well, I and mean, you had runners. You know, the, the de- you, you know that's the difference. You know, when you got runners, it's a lot easier to ping ping passes left and right. When people are strolling, a lot more difficult to ping passes. Yeah. Um, you know, another player that was that started was um, Papa Saar. And, you know, again, no disrespect to Hoiberg, but he's not going to be a part of the team. We, 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 we know that. You can just tell he's not going to stay at Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, but so many injuries, he's had to play a few games. Um, but Saar, Saar is an Ange player. Like when mm-hmm. he gets the ball, he just turns and he goes. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it. It's like, boom, I'm going. And then that just brings the confidence in the rest of the team. And they're like, well, we're coming with you. Let's, <laughs> let's go. And that's what was happening. I mean, literally uh-huh. what was happening. They're like, uh-huh. okay, let's go. He's got it. We're off. Where, uh-huh. And that's the difference in when you see a Hoiberg get the ball. There isn't that sense of urgency. It's kind of a slower, okay, what are you doing? Right. Okay. Right. No, no. when Saar gets it, you, you know, you're on the front foot. It's like, let's go, boys. And uh-huh. he, he's off. I mean, just such a great game for him and his confidence. Um, you know, a lot of talk about Son, and rightly so. He really did give a captain's performance. But for me, again, it was Pedro Porro for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, his corner to Romero almost scored. Crossfield ball, beautiful crossfield ball that led to the second goal. His pass to Richie that got the third goal. Mm-hmm. His defending was phenomenal. Um, his through ball to Son that led to the penalty. Mm-hmm. And he had three or four shots on goal. I mean, this guy gets 30 yards and he can shoot. Fine, let him shoot because he's got the foot for it. He's also got composure in the box. Yeah. Like a lot of times wingers, as soon as they get in an attacking area, the first thing they want to do is just fire the ball into the mix. Yeah. But he really takes his time, finds the right pass to make, and makes the right play. Yeah. You know, what, he, what, I, what, what I like about him too, Cal, is he's got a bit of the Mad- uh, the James Madisons in him. Like he likes to have a laugh mm-hmm. and goof around. And that that's a good attitude to have in a player on your team. Sure. But there's a few times, not just in this game, but in other games where he got fouled. And he's rolled over and he's got up and looked at the crowd and kind of smiled and gave him a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Just just stuff like that, that warms you to the crowd, just mm-hmm. makes you feel like a better player to having a team, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but he's definitely – and I can't help – every time I watch him, think back to that debut that he had against Leicester. And I remember getting texts from people saying, oh, you bought a dummy. You've been sold a <laughs> bill of goods. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so it's really good to see him just coming along um, and really playing well. Also, kudos to to Ben, to ben Davies, who, you know, he's been at Tottenham, like, I think, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he seems like he's 40-odd years of age. He's right? not. He's only 30, right? He's 30 years of age. The and, oldest uh, 30-year-old on the planet. <laughs> pretty much. Benjamin Button, isn't he? Um, <laughs> But, but, but he's playing great. 
I mean, he's really, really playing well. Um, Newcastle should have scored. I mean, and Gordon, what's his name? Anthony Gordon. Yeah. He got on a breakaway and he's on form, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a pass across the box. Almiron was just waiting and Davis had run all the way back and got a foot to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just a great game for him. Um, I mean, all round, just, just a brilliant game, a game that we needed to win um, at home just to stop mm-hmm. that rot and like kind of get back on course. Yeah, um, and n- not just needed to win, but needed a really good performance. I mean, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, nicking it would have been great and that would have helped, but to totally, you know, uncapsize the ship as it were and put in a performance like you had put in early in the season and do it against a team that is, you know, in the top half of the table. Yeah. I think was, you know, was the type of, the type of statement that Ange, that that your manager needs because be- belief comes from getting results and performances in those situations. Yeah, you know, he wants the yeah. result, obviously. He wants the goals. But that performance has got to be where he wants it too. That's Especially right. as he's building right now. Um, That's right. You know... The negative side of things was Romero again. I mean, played great, and he is—you know—he makes all the difference in the world in the back, without a doubt. But his decision making is absolutely is mind-boggling. Well, does he actually make decisions, or does he just react? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that should have been a red. I thought he should have walked. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was very similar to the Fernandez foul in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's two games back, two yellows. The first one last week, 89 minutes. And this was within 10 minutes of the final whistle. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's in a position on the pitch. Where who cares? That's right. It's and not like the guy's bearing down on goal in the penalty box. Yeah, and you're not going to lose the game. Yeah, so I think there's a point, you know, where we where you say, you know, when they say to players, well, you can't take that out of him. Uh-huh. I think we're at a point where, no, they, that has to come out. Yeah, or he has to come out. Well, he has to come out, you know, I mean, because think about it. If, if he got sent off on Sunday, that's a four-match ban. Right. That means that in the first, what, 20? First 20 matches, ga- yeah. 18 matches. First 18 matches, he's missing seven? Yeah. That's insanity. I mean, it didn't happen, but, you know, you wouldn't put money against him at this point getting a red in any game mm-hmm. unless he changes. So... That to me is a really big question for Postacoglu, because that will cost you games. No, that's right. It's already cost right. us games. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the right. last four, the last four games before he came back. That's so right. That's something that needs to be addressed for sure. Other than that, 
I think the team looked really good. I think at this point, my preference would be put that team out again. Why, mm-hmm. why change it against Nottingham Forest on Friday? For sure. You know what I mean? I mean, Sonny, yeah. Sonny looked like he was loving it. Richarlison likes being in the middle. Johnson's coming along. He's not the finished article. Mm-mm. But but he's got to have games to become that finished article. Um, but when he gets the ball and he pushes it ahead of him and goes past the defender, it's a beautiful thing to see. Well, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think that with Son on the other side, having a right footer is okay because he's going to want to go to the end line and yeah. drag it back. And if – um, Richarlton is making the run to the near post, then you can get Son to come over and get some of those cutbacks. Yeah. So, like I said, Friday we're at Forest. So that'll be interesting. I don't think we've been to Forest since we lost in the FA Cup, maybe. Cool. Anyway, it'd be Brennan Johnson going home. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets booed. Or welcome back with open arms. <laughs> yeah, that will be interesting. You know, I mean, he's up. I mean, they're up because of Brent, or one main reason because of Brendan Johnson. Pretty much, yeah. So, but you know what football be, fans are like? Very, very short memories now. That that's a fact. So that will be that will be interesting to see. Um, so Arsenal just finished off um, their Champions League camp uh, group stage campaign. Uh, a 1-1 draw with PSV. And interestingly enough, uh, since Peter Bosch took over at PSV uh, in the summer, PSV has one loss on the year, and that was at the Emirates. So they have been playing really, really good. Uh, They finished second in the group. This game had no impact on the group whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal was going to top the group. PSV was going to come in second. So both sides were heavily rotated. Um, Arsenal played Ramsdale, Kivior, Cedric, making his first start in any match this year. Jorginho, El Nini, his first start in any match this year. Trossard, sure. Nelson, and Kedia. Makes sense. So. Yeah, so heavily, heavily rotated team. Um, And in the fifth minute of the game, probably the most exciting part of the game, uh, the teams kind of played it as an international friendly, uh, in in all honesty. I mean, there was some action and going back and forth, uh, but it wasn't played necessarily at the frantic pace that you can see games that uh, have a lot riding on him, riding on Both teams going through the motions. We're in, we're done, we're good. Yeah, yeah. So PSV's coming down, and uh, they have a midfielder, Tillman. And he gets a pass across, about half line. So it's a square pass coming to him. And he one time outside the boot. So he's the right midfielder outside the boot to the right winger that curves around the fullback, curves around Kivior. I mean, just a phenomenal pass. I mean, it not only curves in the air, it curves when it hits the ground. 
It was about the only way he could get it to him. Um, and that was uh, B- Buki Yoko, Bukayo Yoko. Um, I think in the ex Chelsea guy, not sure, so. but yeah, man, that guy's good and he's really athletic. So he squares, he squares it into the center, and I forget who the PSV guy is. Uh, but he gets a touch on it. He's flying in, Ramsdale's coming out, he gets a touch, and Saliba somehow gets his foot. With his heel, he blocks the shot with his heel. And it kind of traps underneath him. The PSV guy puts his knees on Ramsdale's ankle before he goes flipping over him. And the ball comes to Ricardo Pepe. And we all, as Americans, we all know Ricardo Pepe. And he's got the goal wide open. And one times the shot. And Gabriel somehow gets a foot on it and blocks the shot. I mean, literally the whole, if he would have shot it anywhere else, it's a goal. And he just, Gabriel was just able to reach over and block it. Just incredible block. And, you know, I was glad that it didn't go in, but I've kind of always been a Ricardo Pepe fan. I thought that, you know, the biggest mistake that Greg Burhalter's ever made is not carrying Ricardo Pepe to the World Cup uh, last year. He was our leading goal scorer or second leading goal scorer in qualification. We had no center forward that was worth five cents. Um, and I thought Pepe was by far the best. He's been a super sub for PSV. He doesn't start for him. Uh, but he's got two goals in his last two substitute appearances. Um, and Peter Bosch, who is a really good manager, um, knows how to use him and is getting the best out of him. So glad for that for Ricardo Pepe because, you know, while um, while we, you know, the, the national team has a, uh, has a center forward, I still think Pepe can – be our center forward. Uh, he's tall. He's lanky. He's good with his feet. He's good with his head. I really think that he could be the best center forward uh, that we have. Um, in the 17th minute, you know, one thing that I was impressed about is we had a, a Arsenal had a um, a corner kick, and they clear it. So Arsenal's going back on defense, and where the camera was, the camera was far enough away from the pitch that you could see pretty much all 22 players in the frame. And this is a ragtag team. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that yesterday in training was about the only time these guys have played together. And they got into shape like that. I mean, every one of them knew where to go. I mean, within five seconds of the corner being cleared, they the whole team was in the right defensive shape. And I was like, that is a well-coached team. And I, that really impressed me, uh, enough to mention it. Uh, we, uh, El Nini got one off the post. 
it would have been so cool. He hadn't played in about a year, maybe a year and a half because of a knee injury. Uh, and he got it off the post. Would have loved to have seen that one go in. Uh, it was one where he he uh, right-footed. It was going uh, at the corner and then started curving away and just off the post. Had he taken it from like a step closer, it probably gets in. Would have been great to see him score. Uh, Cedric, who is the bane for Arsenal fans, did make a great covering run uh, to snuff out a PSV break. Uh, He plays right back, and he followed a midfielder inside on a break. Uh, Great covering run by him to help snuff it out. And then in the 41st minute, Enkedia scored. Uh, Really good goal. Uh, Cedric took it down the right wing, passed it to Nelson. Um, Nelson squared it for Enkedia. He took left-footed shot through the uh, through the keeper's legs. Really good goal. Um, they came back in the second half. Um, Vanessen, I think that's a guy's name. He had one go off the post earlier, and then he scored. Um, and then he scored to uh, make it one-one. The game kind of ended there. One-one draw. Um, three away, three away fixtures in the Champions League for Arsenal. One win, one loss, one draw. Uh, Arsenal topped the group. So, um, you know, there's still some matches to be played, but these are the potential potential um, clubs for Arsenal to draw. Uh, Copenhagen uh, finished second in Group A. Manchester United finished last behind Copenhagen and Galatasaray. Um, Interestingly enough, the Copenhagen center forward was sent off with two yellows. I don't, or the goal scorer, I should say, was sent off with two yellows. I don't know if that means he misses the next match. Uh, Napoli finished second to Real Madrid, who played 6-1-6. Internationale, or Inter, Finished uh, finished second in their group to Real Sociedad, so Arsenal could draw them. Um, group E, it'll be either Atletico or Lazio. Group F, it could be any of those, but Newcastle. Um, group G, it'll be Leipzig. Group H, it'll be Porto or Shakhtar. So when you think of the draw potential draw, Porto, Shakhtar, Leipzig. Uh, Lazio, Atletico Madrid, Inter, Napoli, and Copenhagen. You know, not really a murderer's row there for Arsenal to draw in the the next round. So, you know, got to like Arsenal's chances of progressing at least into the quarterfinals, uh, final eight. Uh, And this weekend, Arsenal played Brighton at the Emirates. So uh, a huge match for Arsenal. You know, it was Brighton that put the final nail in Arsenal's championship hopes last year. You know, when they scored their first goal, Arsenal was injured. Arsenal was tired. You could just see all the life 
go out of the Arsenal team after that goal in. And Brighton and Deservey were all too happy to dance on Arsenal's grave the whole rest of the game. I mean, As they, was I. Oh, man, let me tell you, they took great pleasure in sticking it to a team that was down and out. And they loved kicking us when we were laying in the mud puddle uh, and rolling around in our own filth. So the, I, I am confident that after a match from watching in the stands, you know, Arteta will have his team ready to play this weekend and really looking forward to Brighton. You know, Brighton have been doing fine this year. Um, they aren't. They're not the same team, though. No, they're definitely not the same that's team. What, that's what a stint in Europe will do to you. Well, yeah. And um, I, I can't believe I can't remember the guy's name now. Who who was the midfielder they they had? Caicedo. That was uh, Caicedo. Hell, yeah. Mr. Foul a minute guy. Yeah. You know, thank goodness they don't have him anymore. Um, no, he's, but, he's took his foul, fouling trade to Chelsea. Yeah. And how he didn't get sent off in their last match, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, he, he got worst a yellow. Worst record in the Prem they've got. The worst discipline record in the it's, Prem. He got a yellow and committed two fouls worse than the foul that he got the yellow for. Yeah. And didn't get sent off. That that and Gallagher did get sent off. Now, yep. it, they, they should have been down down to nine. I mean, it was just fouling with impunity. Yeah, yep. But anyway, so thank goodness he's not there. Uh, they do certainly have some offensive talent. Mat, uh, Matoma, hopefully he's not playing because he's really a good player. Uh, Brighton's in eighth on twenty six points. So. Uh, you know, so they are a yeah, solid team again. Uh, but again, it's a team that's going to play us. The you know issues we've had have been with teams uh, that have played us in the low block, and Brighton is going to play football. So let's hope Arsenal can get back their finishing boots on and not underperform the XG like we did against Aston Villa. Anything to add, Rick? No, um, I certainly hope they don't find their boots, um, and that <laughs> and that Matoma has a great game. Well, uh, Matoma may have a great game, but I think Arsenal will definitely find the shooting boots. Yeah, it'll be, um, and, be a good game. Be a good game. Yeah, it, oh, it'll be a it'll be a really really good game, um, and I certainly expect Arsenal to uh, to win. Expect Arsenal to play well. And expect Arsenal to go into the week to prepare for Liverpool, which is the big game, uh, in yep. good form. Yep. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite web app. Uh, and also review us and rate us. That'll help us get up in the searches. And Rick, would you like to plug the website? Yeah, check us out there. This episode plus all the other episodes. Except on- last week's. Except last week's. Um, <laughs> thank you, Cal. Um, ArsenalTottenhamFanPodcast.com. Check out our blogs there too. And check out my um, my postings on Instagram at ArsenalTottenhamFanPodcast. Great. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you next week. Let's go Gunners. 
Come on, you Spurs.